everyone, and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coombs. Before we get started today, I'd like to have a little word from my sponsor. Welcome back, everyone, to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coombs. Before we get started here, I just want to remind everyone that if you can go ahead and like and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you may be listening to the podcast, it goes a long way to helping this ministry. Today's episode comes from Give Me an Answer with Pastors Cliff and Stuart Connectly. They are pastors over at Grace Community Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. The episode is titled, If There Is No God, Everything Came From Nothing. I hope you guys enjoy it. Your claim might have evidence, but that evidence also supports other claims that counteract your own. Okay, good. So that means we got to study more, right? Right. Good. You don't just throw up your hands and say, oh, it doesn't exist. No, when you have a doubt, people study more evidence, right? Right. Good. So, what's the evidence that God exists? Order and design in the cosmos point to an intelligent mind. In all of my observation, this guy is dressed the way he is, not by accident. He's got a rational mind, he's, put it, he's dressed together in a rational way, and when I go to a restaurant and I'm about to eat a delicious meal, I don't say there's no chef. No, a delicious meal points me to an intelligent mind. God? Nobody. God is eternal. If God is order and creation, then that implies some sort of organization and structure. So if God is organization and structure, then doesn't that imply a, doesn't that imply a conscious creator behind God? Okay, good question. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. The universe has a beginning. Therefore, the universe has a cause. But how do we know the universe has a beginning? Just study the Big Bang. Before the Big Bang, right. there was something. It was sort of beyond the scope of, of time and what we're capable of perceiving. But generally speaking, matter can't be created or destroyed. So in, in the same way that you're suggesting, the universe is eternal. The universe has always existed in some form and it will always exist, even if it's not in some form that we're capable of conception. Before the Big Bang, there was nothing. So what evidence do you have that God has always existed? I have to ask the question, is it more reasonable to believe something comes from nothing, which is what I have to believe if I say there is no God? Because obviously we've got something here. I just came from nothing. No, he didn't come from anywhere. He is eternal. And when I begin to study science and realize, wait a second, the universe is not eternal. Time and space are not eternal. Time has a beginning. Space has a beginning. Then I have to ask myself, is it more reasonable? Not, not can I prove. I can't prove any of this. But I've got to ask myself, is it more reasonable to believe that something comes from nothing or that something comes from someone. Okay, so what is your better alternative to God? I'm religious in some ways. Generally, if God existed, then I feel like there would be, I don't know, maybe some organized religions that hurt so Okay, good. 
Brilliant point. Like, if if there is if there is as we claim like this reasonable assumption that God exists, right? Surely the people who surely the number of people who can make that assumption and thus decide to follow God's teachings would be the majority. And while the majority of the world's population do believe in some sort of God, they certainly do not follow the teachings. Like, if you read texts, like, Good. Christians, for the yeah. most part, yeah. uh, like to preach, you know, love and acceptance. Yep. But don't really practice that. So if you're, if you're arguing that there is this reasonable assumption that God exists, yes. then it's sort of, it almost creates this implication that no one gives a God chose to limit his power by giving me a free will, which means I can take out my wallet and give him money for lunch, I can haul back and smack him in the face. God makes me do neither, which means I am responsible for whether I feed him or smack him. It is impossible for God to create a free will in Clef and then program me to have to feed him. Impossible. It is impossible for God to create a square circle. Impossible. It is impossible for God to exist and not exist at the same time. See, so when we say that God is all-powerful and that God is God, we don't mean God just does anything. No. God gives us a free will, and then he says, okay, exercise that free will. If God's power is limited because of free will, would that not imply that God is not all-powerful? God did not make me snap, slap him. God gave me a hand and a free will. And he gave me it for a purpose, to love and respect the gentleman. But if I choose to roll my hand into a fist and send it crashing into his handsome face, and then if I have the audacity to blame God, I am a con artist. That, that would imply that God cannot know what you are going to do. That God cannot know the outcome of your actions, which contradicts God being omnipotent. And all-knowing, omniscient. All very good. You are right, it's a very difficult question. If God is all-knowing, that means that God knows whether I'm gonna slap him or feed him. So how can I have free will if God knows what I'm gonna to do to this guy before I do it? Exactly. Okay, that is the whole issue that we were flirting with earlier about God being outside of time. I think in terms of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I do not think in terms of it's all the same. I am locked into time. But God is outside of that dimension of time, which means God lives in the eternal now, which means God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow in one glance. Which means it's not because God has programmed me to hit him that I hit him. God knows I'm going to hit him because he is outside of the dimension of time and he sees tomorrow today. That's what the Bible means when it says God is eternal. He's not locked into time. Guess what? It doesn't make too much sense to me. You know why? Why not? I am locked into time. So when I talk to you about a being who is outside of the dimension of time, whoa, that's a mystery to me. I don't totally, I mean, I can begin to grapple with it, 
but I can't understand it totally, that's for sure. The Bible is, to some extent, a primary historical source. Okay. Uh, even if it was sort of a product of its time, or, right, rewritten and retranslated dozens and dozens of times. No, uh, not rewritten, re retranslated. No, it was rewritten. No, when was it rewritten? I mean, every translation of the Bible, like, anytime you translate something, you have to make decisions about what, because things don't always translate one to one, so you have to make decisions sure. about what meanings you're going to carry over. Okay. Um, like, the first one that comes to mind is one that Christians like to use a lot, which is, I don't remember the exact verse, but uh, man shall not lie with another man, uh, something like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the sort of translation that's used is not exactly correlating to the original uh, Hebrew meaning. I might be mangling that a little bit. All right, no problem. But sort of, so you do get changes over time. It's not necessarily a, a, a perfect replica of what it used to be, but... Okay. From the 2nd through the 10th century AD, before the printing press, all handwritten, so 5,800. Then you've got 10,000 Latin manuscripts, the Latin Vulgate. Then you've got 9,300, approximately, manuscripts in Syriac, Slavic, Gothic, Ethiopic, Coptic, and Armenian. So you've got 25,000 early manuscripts of the New Testament, all agreeing to an infinitesimal degree. Then you have quotes of the New Testament, 38,289, approximately, church fathers quoting the New Testament, which means there are only 11 verses that are not quoted by the early church fathers in the second through the fourth century. Friends, we have an incredibly high degree of certainty that we really have what the eyewitnesses wrote. I mean, I'm not really entirely sure what the That you can trust the New Testament to give you accurate historical information. It's historically reliable. And you acknowledge that when you talk, said about, you know, I think he was an historical person. Okay, great. But now, in that historical record, you read about his miracles, you read about the way he loved people and what he taught, you read about how he died, and then how he rose from the dead. There are, like, dozens of other historical accounts that, while they might be reliable and backed up by other sources, are not necessarily perfect retelling of events because I mean you said it yourself we can't always trust our eyes we can't always trust exactly what we're seeing right. so even if I see an event correctly and I report exactly what I think happened yeah. it's not necessarily a faithful or reliable accounting of events okay I agree I can never be 100% sure neither can you oh, but that doesn't mean I can't know <laughs> I know my wife I know his brothers. I know that Marcy is standing in front of me right now. Can I 100% prove that? No. But there's enough evidence that I can start talking with Marcy and I can express to him respect for the way he's challenged me in a great way about these points. But you're making, you're making a leap there, which is seeing a person standing in front of you is the same thing as 
having some sort of spiritual experience that confirms to you the existence of God. Oh, I'm sorry that I've miscommunicated. I can't audibly hear God. All right, that's not an option for me. Okay? But it is an option to explore the evidence with my rational mind. It is an option for me emotionally to read about his love for me and respond emotionally. And it is spiritually an option for me to spiritually connect with God because I'm convinced he's created us with a God-shaped vacuum. And what I appeal to is anthropology that shows us that around the world, every culture has some type of religion. So we as human beings have this innate drive to know God. You have to, you have to compare that to things you as a human being are familiar with as possible. Yes. And sometimes Absolutely. you hear about something happening and you're like, that can't be true. And then you're given an explanation. You're given a reasoning for how this thing that is that you previously thought was impossible could be true. Yeah. And it's up to you whether or not you believe that explanation. Yes. But with, with things like scientific principles or historical events, yep. those explanations make logical sense. You can study them and you can analyze them and you can pick them apart and they they fit, they work. And scientific principles are constantly updated and changing, which is why they're theories, not rules. So there is some uncertainty, but there's but when making this assumption that God exists, so if you say Jesus Christ was able to turn water into wine and your only mechanism for how that was possible is, well, he had spiritual powers. He was God's son. He was able to do it because God willed it to be so. There's no logic there that you can unpack. There's no, there's no step-to-step reason. There's no, there's no substance to it. You're making assumptions. Excuse me, you're not making assumptions. You're starting with the evidence is God exists who put the laws of nature together. But you're conflating, you're conflating evidence with assumption. No. If I make, no, if I'm I not. say- That's wrong. Gravity Come exists. on now, Marcy, listen better. That is something you can observe and recall. And that's a wonderful, narrow, narrow branch of knowledge. When you you can't do that with George Washington. Exists. You can't do that with Muhammad or Jesus or Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, okay? So Marcy, come on, let's be open-minded now. And let's acknowledge that, yes, gravity gravity exists. Boom. It falls. Gravity exists. That's correct. But guess what? Your love for this person is shown by your caring for this person. And guess what? I'm convinced, Marcy, that your caring for this person is even more important than the law of gravity when it comes to your life. I am convinced that there is far more fulfillment, joy, and meaning that comes from your life from loving this person than from the law of gravity. So don't get mixed up with categories. What does the color green smell like? It doesn't, Marcy. Why? Because colors don't have smell. It's a different category. Smell and color. What does middle C look like? Middle C doesn't look like anything, Marcy. Middle C is a note in the scale. That you hear. I think you're purposely misinterpreting my. No, I'm not. I'm um, taking your thinking seriously, and I'm jamming on the thinking, not you, but your thinking. Um, what is your personal stance on like Christians or like God loving like LGBT people? Jesus Christ loves every gay, lesbian, 
bisexual, heterosexual, rapist, every fornicator, every adulterer and adulteress. God loves all of us so much that he sent his son Christ to bleed and die on a cross to forgive us. That's real smooth, uh, you know, grouping in uh, gay people with the rapists. And the adulterers and the fornicators and the guys who lust like me. We're all the same, guys. We're all the same. I've got feet of clay just the same way you both do. I'm a sinner the same way you both are. I'm also valuable the same way you guys are because we're all created in the image of God. And guess what? Favoritism is a sin and judgmentalism is a sin. So I'm not here to judge you, but I am here to think with you and to answer your hard issues that you raise. And I respect you and appreciate you for raising those issues so thoughtfully. Stuart, what do you say? Practically speaking, there are so many subgroups who in such a militant way do not like each other, even on this campus. And we see it politically, right? And religiously. Well, a large part of the reason why they don't like each other is because they don't view each other as we're all creating the image of God. We all have value. They just look at their beliefs and worldview and they don't see the person. And they just say, I'm gonna attack your worldview and I don't even like you as a person. I'm gonna exclude you. So that's the first point. The second point is, because moral objectivity is turning into moral relativism in our country, so you have your truth, I have my truth, don't step on my truth, I'm not gonna step on your truth. Look, that's all inclusive and beautiful sounding, but the problem is the flowery side of that gets tremendously ambiguous in the sense of we're all talking over each other because we really have no, no moral objectivity in understanding what is really right or wrong. We just speak over each other and yell at each other without any agreement of what is really right or wrong at the base level, then you can never really have a discussion. People have innate sense of what feels good and what feels wrong. Or you should, Stuart, not do that, not kick that kitten over there. Don't say that because it's, it's my truth and my desire in terms of what is ethically right or wrong, right? Because you said feels. You didn't say moral obligation, you should not do that. You said it just feels like I shouldn't do that. So your feelings are not part of the facts of reality in terms of that is really objectively wrong for you to go kick that kitten. To answer your question, what evidence do we have that people without religion have morals and people with religion automatically have? Let's look at the statistics of-, of That's not my point at uh, Oh, oh, sorry, I, I didn't finish. What, Please what, do. Let's look at the, the statistics of the abuse that comes yes. out of the church, yes. of the people, of the children who are molested by the yes. Catholic Church and by the Baptist Church and the cover-up. Totally agree. Where, are the, where is the correlation to morals within an establishment that perpetuates and covers up so much abuse? Absolutely. That, was so exactly that would be what Jesus attacked the most throughout his entire life, which is religious hypocrisy. In terms of the nastiness of religion and what it can do. Just like atheism, Mao Zedong, so many other atheist militant leaders killed over a hundred million people because it was a godless society saying that there's no moral obligation of what is right or wrong. So that's why, hold on one second, that's why you have the USSR militia military veterans saying, I thank God that there is no God so I can desire and mete out exactly what I want to do to this inmate who I have in terms of how I treat them. Because there is no God, there is no transcendent moral obligation or sense. See, she's acting, her, her argument there was purely out of emotionalism. 
And I agree in the sense that there's pain, there's cover-up, there's abuse. Totally agree. And absolutely that is wrong. But how in the world does that in some kind of way defeat what comes out of the Christian faith and Judeo-Christian values based off of the founder, Jesus Christ, just because of hypocritical people? That in no way somehow sullies who Jesus is, his teaching, and Christianity. Then would you not expect to see some physical correlation? Would you not expect to see some sort of statistical representation of that? The statistical comparison of something like Christianity to other religions is staggering. If you go right back to the ancient Roman Empire, who are the ones who during the plagues were saving those who were exactly the opposite in ethnicity and religion from these plagues and giving up their lives by doing so? All the statistics show. Look at somebody like Rodney Stark, the sociologist who's an atheist. Christians were going in and taking them out to the suburbs to save their lives while getting the disease themselves and dying. Or look at India today. Look at India today. So much of the AIDS crisis, even in Africa, for example, all of that is being done away with via Christian hospitals. Okay, so statistically, we can look at these things. And then on top of that, you have to start to define what a Christian is. She just blindly said, the Catholic Church. Okay, are you just going to say a mainline denomination all of a sudden? They are all Christians. And look what they're doing. We have to define what a Christian is. So you're sort of dodging around my question, which is, no. would you not expect there to be some studyable, obser- like some observable impact? Would you not be able to see, like, for example, uh, Utah, an extremely high population of religious people. Mormons. People who, though you might not agree with their exact interpretation, believe in Jesus Christ and believe in God and to an extent follow their principles. So then why, for example, if it is this, such this religious state, why do they have, why don't they have better medical outcomes? Why don't more people get better faster in their hospitals? Why don't more religious areas, why don't people get healed faster? If there is this, if there is this like, observable power of God, then where's the backing? Where's the evidence? You also like to make these claims about uh, atheists. Uh, But what about the crusade? What about the countless examples of the Christian church, the Catholic church, discriminating against non-Catholics? How do you explain that? You just did explain that. Okay, so I'm going to take your first point then, and then we'll take your second first point is there was a case in Pennsylvania who a young girl got pneumonia. Parents did not take her to a hospital. She ended up dying. Okay, what do you have to do as a Christian there? Just say, oh, we all disagree. Let's just throw up our hands. Everybody has a different interpretation on Christianity. No. You go to the context. You go and look inside the Greek, the Hebrew, and figure out what in the world is this saying? Secondly, 40 million people alone across India and Southeast Asia have said that they've dealt with near-death experiences, that they've had them. 400 million across the same region, as well as Europe, have claimed 
to have seen and encountered the miraculous. These are Christians. So if you want data and studies, that's it right there. And if you want somehow what has Christianity done for the world, gladly look into human rights. Gladly look into the 300s AD in terms of the hospitals are starting. Gladly look into what happened with William Wilberforce. Later on, Martin Luther King Jr. See how their faith in Christ propelled them to seek after justice. And there's, there's a base reason to seek after justice with a suffering, sacrificial slave who was Jesus Christ, as opposed to, if you're an atheist, I don't know if you are, simply an unguided, blind force that says the strong eat the weak. How does that make sense to seek after something like justice and human rights and sacrificing for the other? So who defines right than wrong if there is no God? We human beings. I'm not more right than he is. He's not more right than you are. And you're definitely not more right than she is. It's all relative. The Crusades. Yeah. Okay. Guys, that's, that's, the Crusades are so simple, it's embarrassing. Why is hypocrisy wrong? You seem pretty ticked about it. Good, I'm glad you are. But why is hypocrisy wrong? Why is me lying to him wrong? Why is me stealing from him wrong? I mean, if I find Bill Gates' wallet, what's wrong with me emptying Bill Gates' wallet of the money? Absolutely He's got nothing. All right, we disagree. <laughs> rich. All right, good, bravo. Oh, and so if my morality is to steal his backpack, who are you to tell me that that's wrong? If I got guys with guns behind me, which means I got more power than he does, then why shouldn't I steal his backpack? What's wrong with it? If might makes right, if power makes right, why shouldn't I rip him off? Why? It doesn't. Does it? Then what does it? I personally do not think it does. Oh, okay. So I personally want to rip you off, okay? So just chill out, and I'm going to rip you off. Because I personally want to rip you off. Come on, man, think. I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that I can stop you from doing things. But I am saying that I can react to your actions how I see fit. Okay, good. If I saw you go up to someone on the street and start taking their I'd probably see something. Good. And then because I disagree with you imposing your morality on somebody else, I tell you to back off. And if you don't back off, I'll get the guys with the guns and we'll make sure you back off. And it's all a crapshoot, guys. It's all a cosmic crapshoot. All right. Now let's go back to a biblical perspective. She is created in the image of God. So like it or not, she has intrinsic innate value, which means if I don't respect her property, it is being disrespectful to her which means if I steal from her, that is evil. But if I am generous to her and help her, that is good. Now, why on earth would it be good to be generous if self-preservation is what this life is all about? You're an idiot to be generous if you've just evolved. Because if you've just evolved, you know, survival of the fittest. Thank you. Which means, if, you're f if I'm fitter than you, stronger than you, what's wrong with me ripping you off? Nothing. And Jesus Christ contradicts that. And Jesus Christ says, she's a precious woman created in my image. You respect her, and you respect her property, and do not rip her off. That is evil. Now, what is sin? Sin is saying, 
I don't really respect you, so I'm going to rip you off. And God, get out. And what is hell? Hell is simply God saying, Cliff, go ahead. You've been running away from me all life long. You've been ignoring me. You've been disobeying me. Keep running. And that will be hell, running away from God. Christ bled and died on a cross to wake me up that God really does love me and wants me to have eternal life and to live right. And that is why faith in Christ is so wise. I'd like to invite you to Grace Community Church, located at 365 Lukeswood Road in New Canaan, Connecticut. Our services are at 9.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. on Sundays. Hope you can join us. Welcome back to Next Generation Saints. I really hope you enjoyed this episode from Give Me an Answer. Again, it is, if there is no God, everything came from nothing. I want to remind everyone to go ahead, and if you like both broadcasts or other broadcasts like this, go ahead and like and subscribe to wherever you've been listening to this on any major podcasting platform. I mostly go on Spotify, so if you can go there, that would be awesome. And until next time we meet each other again, may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.